Amen. Thank you, Brother Steve. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. We're going to start reading in verse 15, uh, picking up where we left off last week. Uh, so let's get down to business, is what we've titled this morning's message. And uh, thankful that uh, we have some uh, families in our church that are business owners. Uh, and uh, what we're going to see is a couple things is that it's good uh, for Christians to be in business but also to remember that Christians should run their business differently than those in the world. We also have to recognize that the church does not operate like a business, Uh, that the church is much different uh, than a business, but there's business that the church is to be about. Uh, And it's very dangerous when we forget that important truth. Uh, One of my... uh, places I like shops, J.C. Penney. Maybe you all like to go to Penney's uh, as well. Um, Penney's has changed over the years, but it was started by, guess what his name was? J.C. Penney. Um, and Mr. Penny was a Christian, and in the beginning of that department store, and as long as he was alive, J.C. Penney gave a great deal of money Uh, to the church, and to charitable causes. Uh, That has changed, I think, uh, recently in its history. And also, I've seen JCPenney not doing so good anymore. Uh, And part of the reason is, is because JCPenney understood godly principles that he could apply to his business, uh, and he did. But those that sit on boards now and are in charge of uh, that department store and many other big corporations have forgotten about biblical principles and focus instead on worldly principles. Like, hey, it doesn't matter what you have to do, make a buck. That's what matters. Hey, if you have to lie, steat, and chill just so you get ahead, hey, that's okay. But guess what? Those things do not work in God's kingdom. And those things will not find the favor of God. Now, it's not that you know, God expects every Christian, every person that's following after God, uh, to live in a monastery and just pray all day. That, that's not what God's intention is. But God's intention is that God's people live God's way all the time, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, including in their work week. So it doesn't matter if you own a business or if you're employed by a business. You, st- you know, we all need paychecks. It takes money to make the world go round. Uh, we all have to eat and, you know, have pa- and I'm thankful for air conditioning. Air conditioning ain't free. That Mr. K says we got a power bill uh, this week uh, for this past month of almost $1,000. And so, that's not, but it's been hot. And so, hey, you want to stay cool? you got to pay for electricity. I know I don't want to go without electricity. Uh, and you probably don't either. So we, we do need money. But the way that we use money should be much different than the w- way the world does. Because, you see, if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and your life is under new management, Though God doesn't demand necessarily that you change your profession or your workplace, he does demand that you work differently 
Paul says it this way in Colossians 3. He says, whatever your hands find to do, do it as unto the Lord and not unto man. And it's very important that we remember that. But you see, it's not just us in the 21st century that have to learn and struggle with that lesson because the church in the first century fell into the same trap. And that's what we'll see this morning. Let's begin reading in verse 15. It says, So they came to Jerusalem. Remember last week Jesus had come uh, through Bethany and kind of surveyed the area in Jerusalem, went back. So now it's the next day and they're going back to town. When Jesus went to the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves, he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, for all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask and pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whatever you stand praying... If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Then they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was talking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave this authority to you to do these things? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one question, then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Well, why then do you not believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people. For all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. And so they answered and said to him, We do not know. And Jesus answered and said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So remember, this is in the last week of Jesus' life. Uh, you know, they triumphantly came into Jerusalem. Uh, in the first part of this chapter, uh, and now Jesus has come back to the temple, and he's not pleased with what he sees. Uh, and there's several things. Again, it wasn't necessarily business that he was upset about. Jesus was upset that they were busy about the wrong kind of business and about handling business in the wrong way rather than God's way. 
And that's what he was so upset about. And if you read Matthew's account of the same event, Matthew's much more descriptive. And Jesus, Matthew said Jesus took those tables and threw them up in the air and he took a whip and went after those fools that were in there uh, taking advantage of God's house. And so what exactly does God say the church is supposed to be about? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. The first thing that we need to see in these uh, the last part of this chapter is the business of the church. You see, we, I said earlier, the church is not a business, and you cannot run the church like a business. But there are things that the church is supposed to be about. Just as in the synagogue, it was supposed to be about some things. And there wasn't much of those things going on, but there was a bunch of commerce going on. And again, God doesn't hate commerce. He knows it's it's part of life. But what he was concerned about was the church had forgotten, and when we use the church, we're talking about the temple, but that was church in those days. They had forgotten God's house, and the people of God's house had forgotten what God's house was supposed to be about. And the thing specifically that Jesus mentions is what they weren't doing. He said, isn't my house supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations? In other words, you're supposed to be busy about praying, and you're supposed to be welcoming everybody. Well, the problem was, it wasn't that these tables were set up. The Old Testament allowed, because people would travel long distances to get to Jerusalem uh, on these high holy days. And uh, for convenience, they came from all over the world. Uh, So there was a temple tax uh, that they had to pay. uh, And they had to pay for in the, you know, the currency of, of Jerusalem. And so they weren't from there. They didn't have that money. And so they were allowed to exchange money. And they were allowed, the Old Testament gives provision for them to sell, for those that came long distances, they could sell doves and, you know, ox and other things for animals. They could buy that there. But what the Old Testament does not permit is for those things to be going on in the Gentile court, which was the outer court of the temple. And that's exactly where all this mess was going on. So it's not that the stuff was not allowed, it was not allowed where it was going on at. And because Jesus makes the point, he said, listen, because you've got this Walmart set up here in the vestibule, the Gentiles can't get in to pray. And because you're so worried about extracting interest from your, you know, charging outrageous fees to change money and your price, you know, just like when you go to concerts or in the airport, Leslie and I flew recently. Listen, you go to airport, buy Coke, it's $5. Go to a gas station, you get the same Coke for $2. You know, food is more expensive, drinks are more expensive because you're captive audit, you can't, Go anywhere else to get it, you're there. And so 
They know that, and they're going to charge you for it. Why? Because they're not concerned about doing business God's way. They're concerned about making a buck. And when they've got you as a captive audience, they know they can make as many bucks off you as you've got, and you're willing to pay. That same attitude had creeped into the Lord's house. And Jesus, by the way, did not timidly go and say, hey, would you all reconsider this? He went in, boy, he was mad. Throw his stuff and whip his head. I think he probably yelled. And the people knew that he was upset. And so the high priest said, well, let's get him. Let's go ask him by whose authority he's coming in here turning over tables and threatening people and not letting people bring their wares in to the Gentile court. So what is the business of the church supposed to be about? Well, there's a few things. It's supposed to be about prayer. It's supposed to be about worship. It's supposed to be about helping people grow in their walk with God. It's supposed to be about evangelism. But it's not supposed to be about making a buck. Did the temple need money? Absolutely it did. And in fact, the, the, the scriptures tell, tell us exactly how God's plan of financing his house was. It was God's people giving. And we ought to, and I think that command to give still applies to the church. And if we're one of God's people, we have that command to, to give and to support the church. But the church's primary focus must not ever be on money must not ever be on just numbers and stuff. It must always be about God. And are we making much of Him? That's what the business of the church is to be about. Not making the local church's name great, but making the name of God great. And making sure that people from all over heard the good news because God loves all people and offers salvation to everyone. And that means that everyone needs to hear that message. And so the church does have some business that it's supposed to be about. But the church must make sure that it conducts the business of the church in a godly, God-directed way. Not where we're, you know, just the, the whims of a few make determinations, but the will of God is what determines course. That we stand in unity, in prayer and in purpose, and understand that the church cannot adopt the ways of this world and expect God to bless it. But the opposite is true. Businesses can adopt the ways of God and we'll find that God will bless it. So the business of the church, the church does have business that it's to be about, but we must make it God's way. Secondly, Jesus goes to meddling a little bit and reminds them that not only are they about 
to do things God's way and that worship is important and prayer is important and welcoming people is important. But he goes on and says, listen, forgiving people is important. So he says there's the business of the church and then there's the business of forgiveness. It's not by accident these words are spoken here by Jesus. He says, listen, I understand that prayer is important. And prayer changes things. But so does forgiveness. So he says, if you're standing praying, and you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Not necessarily so that person feels better about themselves, but look at what, Je- what uh, Mark says as he quotes the words of Jesus. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you and your trespasses. For if you're not willing to forgive others, God is not going to forgive you. What strong work. And words the church needs to not forget and the church needs to live by and understand that, listen, we are all sinners. Some are just saved by the grace of God. But even though we're saved by the grace of God, it does not negate the fact we are in constant need of God's forgiveness and God's mercy. I mentioned we never outgrow the gospel. We're constantly in need of God's amazing grace and his mercy in our life. And we're in a big trouble spot when we think we don't need that. Because you do, no matter how good you think you are. And so Jesus tells his disciples, it seems very odd. I think Mark puts it here, or Peter puts it here. Remember, Peter was the source of most of this, and Mark wrote it down for Peter. But Peter had pointed out about this fig tree that Jesus cursed a little while ago because it did have fruit on it, but it had green leaves. And now it's dead. And Peter brings that up. He says, Peter, remember, put your faith and trust in God, for with God all things are possible. So, so here he says, listen, when you pray and ask, you understand God's going to give it to you. Now, that doesn't mean what these crazy health and wealth gospel folks are preaching. That, hey, listen, if you just name it and claim it, boy, it's going to come true and If you don't get it, it's because you don't believe hard enough, so believe harder. That's a bunch of hooey. What Jesus is saying is, if you are living for me and you're walking with me and trusting in me, when you ask something, God hears you and God will answer because you'll be praying in accordance to God's will. And so you won't pray for things that are not God's will. 
We also understand, by the way, when we pray, this is just free information, not even part of my notes, that sometimes we pray, God does answer, but he says no. No is an answer. An answer that we don't like. None of us like being told no. We especially didn't like being told no as a child. But no is an answer. And God knows what's best, and sometimes he tells us no. But sometimes he does tell us yes, and he does answer our prayers. Sometimes, though, as we were reminded last week and uh, a, little, a couple weeks ago, that sometimes our prayer, it takes a while for us to see the answers to those prayers. Does that mean that God has forgotten about us? So we, we need to pray. But sometimes I wonder if our prayers do not get past the ceiling because there's unforgiveness in our heart. And we're harboring hatred. Because you see what Jesus said earlier uh, in the Gospels, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, listen, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. It is a very serious thing to not be forgiving. And forgiveness sometimes is hard. But understand this, holding on and being unwilling to forgive does not hurt the other person. The only person that's hurting is you. And so Jesus says to his disciples, be quick to forgive. Because you need God to be quick to forgive you. And remember, as we get to the end of the story, in a few chapters, Peter is going to need God's forgiveness. And he's going to need these words. And so the business of God's people must be forgiveness. We are surrounded by people that have done stupid, sinful things. And they're experiencing the result of sin because the only thing sin can ever do is destroy and kill. Sin cannot do anything but that. And we all know people and interact with people every day that are hurting. And what they need is forgiveness. Now here's something about God's forgiveness. It doesn't matter what a person has done. How far they have watered past God if they will seek his face and repent and ask forgiveness, he will forgive them. And he will restore them. But you know what? People that are in that state, they're not going to know. And in fact, they're probably not going to believe that God would forgive them. I've had people say to me, Preacher, I've done so much bad, there's no way God can forgive me. And the good news of the gospel is this, that no matter what you've done, there's forgiveness and grace and mercy through the blood of Jesus Christ. And friend, if you have been forgiven greatly, then Jesus reminds us we have the responsibility to forgive others. So we need to share a message with folks that, hey, listen, there's forgiveness in God, and they don't have to be bound by the horribleness and the destructiveness of sin that they could find freedom and new life in Christ. But they also need to see that forgiveness practiced among God's people. 
Because the reality is no matter how much we love one another, and the church is commanded to love one another. Scripture says that several times. You don't have to like one another, but you do have to love one another. But there are times when a church member, maybe even your pastor, does something to hurt you. It probably was unintentional. But when that happens, we have to be willing to forgive. Not just if the person comes to us and says, hey, please forgive me. They may not realize they've hurt you. But you forgive them. More for your benefit than anyone else's. Because if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, listen, I'm going to tell you something, it will filter into your life and your heart will become so hard and you will become so miserable. And it's nothing that anybody else has done to you. You've done it to yourself because you're harboring unforgiveness and hate. And that takes a tremendous toll on a person. And the reality is you can't Walk with God and be where God wants you to be with the heart of unforgiveness. And so understand that just as you needed forgiveness once for your sin, you're, you constantly need forgiveness. And God offers it every time you go to Him. You remember, just chase a rabbit for just a second and I'll catch it quick and get back on task. Remember the disciples asked Jesus, Hey, Jesus... How often do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times? Maybe even 49 times. Scripture says seven times seven. You remember what Jesus said? Look it up later on, but it's much more than seven times seven. All right, so back on track. So there's the business of the church the church is supposed to be about. Secondly, there's this business of forgiveness. And, sec- and lastly, this morning, there's the business of authority. The high priest come to Jesus and say to him, Hey, who gave you permission to do this crazy stuff you're doing? Who gave you permission to come in and turn the tables over and break stuff and cast people out of the court of the temple? The high priest didn't do that. And so Jesus asked them this question about the baptism of John because everybody in the community held John in very high regard, especially after he was killed by Herod. Uh, His rep went way up. So they said, well, we know if we say from God, of course, because they knew, of course, that was the answer. They said that Jesus is going to say to us that why do you question and doubt what I've done? Why don't you just believe? But if we say of men, then the crowds of people are going to be mad at us because they hold John in high regard. And so they did what a politician does. They hedged both sides and said, we don't know. And so Jesus answered and said, well, I'm not going to tell you either by what authority I've done the things that I've done. But Jesus not answering the question does not mean that he didn't answer the question. 
because Jesus had all authority, he was not at the whim and beck and call of the high priests. He said, I'm the one in charge. Jesus was the one that has the authority. Paul tells us uh, in some of his letters that Christ is the head of the church. He calls the church things like the, the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. Jesus has to have ultimate authority. If we're going to get down to business and do business with God's way, and be about the thing God wants us to be about, then we're going to understand God has the authority, not us. And that means that God calls the shots and God gives the directions, not us. And sometimes he may ask us to do things we don't like to do and don't want to do, like forgive. Because most of the time, people that have hurt us don't really deserve forgiveness. But here's the thing about that, and this is just free, it's not even in my notes. You didn't deserve forgiveness either. But praise God, God gave it to you. If you've received God's forgiveness, then you have no option but to forgive others. But understand the business of authority that the CEO is not you. It's not the pastor, and it's not the deacons, and it's not even the majority of the church voting in a business meeting. The CEO is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. He reminds us in some of his last words, he said, all authority in Matthew 28, and when he gave the Great Commission, you remember how he started it? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. was given to him because he was God. And Jesus could do the things that he could do, and he could teach the way that he could teach, because he had authority. He had the ability and the clearance to do that. The high priest, though, and those that were sitting at the money changer table, and those that were sitting at all these various booths, if you will, like it was some kind of flea market set up in the middle of God's house, did not have the authority. And they were doing things that God said they could do, but where God told them they couldn't do it. And so God's house had become a den of thieves rather than a place and a temple of prayer and praise. And so by not answering the question, Jesus answered the question. He basically was saying, I ain't got to tell you numbskulls nothing. I ain't telling you anything. Get out of here. Now that did not endear Jesus to these fellows. In fact, they were even more. Listen, we've got to get rid of this guy. He's trouble. And they, we know, concocted a plan to do him in, and ultimately, in just a few days from the end of this chapter, it was going to be a, their plan they thought was going to be accomplished. But see, they didn't have authority to make that plan, and so even though they thought they'd done a good thing, 
and got rid of a problem. All they were doing was helping God's plan. Because God's plan was that this king of kings and lord of lords would come and lay his life down and shed his innocent, sinless blood for the sin debt of all the world. That whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And that's the good news of the gospel. And so that's what the church is to be about. And so it doesn't matter, are there implications for how you run a business or how you work as an employee in a business? There are some. But what Jesus wants us to see here is about God's house and how we're to treat God's house and behave and look at God's house. That it's to be a house of prayer and a house of praise and a house of discipleship, a house of evangelism, a house of ministry, a house of welcoming and a house of forgiveness. to be a place that understands and recognizes it's under the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't matter about my will or your will. All that matters is God's will. And us being at the center of it. And so God said, you know what? You may be doing all the right things. The Listen, the people in this temple, the high priests were saying the right sermons, if you will. They were going through the right rituals. But they were spiritually dead as this pulpit. There was no life in them because there was no God in them. Because they were concerned about themselves and the power that they had and the fact that they were in charge. Well, guess what? When God set the priesthood up in the Old Testament, he said, listen, I'm going to appoint some men from this tribe of Levi. They're going to be my representatives. They're going to be my spokesmen. They're going to be intermediaries between me and the people. He did not say, hey, these guys are going to have charge and be dictators over the spiritual empire. And in fact, the examples we have of the Old Testament, the priests, when they tried to become dictators in the Old and the New Testament, it did not ever work out well for them. Because that wasn't what they were intended to do. And what they were intended to be about. And so church, God's message to us, I think, this morning, is you know what, it's time to get down to business. And being about the right business and understanding that it's not about money, it's not about my preferences, it's not about looking good, it's not about, you know, being nice. It's about making much of God. But here's the thing, when we make much of God, he makes much of us. He blesses us. And then when he blesses us, we take those blessings that he's given us and guess what? We give them away. And guess what? He blesses us even more. Because that's the way he works. This world is kind of, any business owner will tell you, hey, listen, you you get money, you get paid money, and you got to spend money, you know, on advertising and employees and all these kind of things, yes? And 
and then there's profit after you pay all those bills. And for too many business people, it's about profit. Profit's necessary, and profit is good, but what you do with the profit is oftentimes where the trouble comes. So I think that God is fine with you, and I think Carl would be fine, Bill would be fine, if they had a billion-dollar profit for their business. They'd be glad with that. Miss Evelyn wouldn't because she'd have to keep up with all that money, and that's too much for her. That money is not what the problem is. The problem for the Israelites, for the Jews, for the high priest, was what they did with that money. And that money had them rather than them having the money. And that leads to problems every time. And so when we do have profits, we use those profits to help others. And understand that as we help others, the more we give, the more God gives us. You cannot ever outgive God. I would tell you, some of you can try a little bit harder to outgive Him. You cannot outgive God. And if you trust God, and if you've been forgiven by God, guess what? You forgive others and you give because God has given you so much. And you understand that it's not you that has authority to decide what right and wrong is and what you're going to do. It's God that has the authority. He's the one that tells you. And so if he tells you something that it goes against what you want, then you put what you want aside. You say, God, I'm going to do it your way. And then you'll find God's blessing. So the church must never forget that it, yes, must be about business, but being about the right business and being about that business in the right way. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, what a great and important reminder we've been given of your love and grace and the mercy, forgiveness that you shed upon us through the work of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's one here today that has never trusted in you, might today be the day that they received that free gift that was purchased on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago. Lord, may they come and they receive that great gift and find new life in Christ. And may they put their life in new authority. May they find the freedom that comes from forgiveness and the joy that comes from doing things your way. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today. Lord, they're saved, but they've not been doing things your way. Maybe they've got the priorities out of whack. Maybe the things that they seek after are not the things that they should be seeking after. Or maybe they're doing the right things, but in the wrong way or are the wrong, wrong motives. God, prick their hearts, help them to cry out to you for forgiveness. Reminding us that you are great in forgiveness and mercy. It's there for the asking. And if we ask, we will receive. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy to us. In 
Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this old hymn, I Deep.